up, y'all? This is Alex, and thank you so much for listening in to the fourth episode of the Mental Health Happy Hour. Today, we are going to be talking about dependency, and I think this is a really broad topic because dependency can take many different forms. And I think it's pretty important to touch on it because it actually affects one in 10 individuals at least sometime in their lifetime. So, to join me, I have an old childhood friend who I think can give us some pretty good perspective on this topic. Uh, Jackson, wanna take the floor? Yeah, uh, thanks for having me. Excited to, uh, to, to get in here and kinda, you know, um, you know, give people a little better perspective on dependency, cause like you said, it affects so many people. Um, honestly, when you said that number one in 10, I was like, wow, I figured it would be more than that. And, and honestly, yeah, uh, you know, there's a lot of people who don't even realize that they have, you know, with the, whether it's addiction or dependency. I mean, you know, there's so many people that live with it and just never have a clue. Well, and I think it's because it can take so many forms. People almost don't realize it because, I mean, you could have an addiction to shopping, gambling, eating. I mean, it's not just, you know, people say addiction. They think, oh drugs and alcohol or almost gambling because that's such a like common thing. But I mean, you can even have a dependency or addiction to social media, you know, being on technology. I mean, today that is a huge thing that people don't even realize. And to be honest, I think a lot of people's addiction to social media really triggers a lot of other mental health issues, to be honest. Oh, a thousand percent, a thousand percent. Like, to kind of like touch on like when I was going through, uh, you know, some of the stuff I went through with dependency, I definitely was like on my phone for probably like six hours a day, like at some some shape or form, you know, like whether it's Twitter, Instagram. Um, actually, one of the things I do every few months now is I don't delete my account, but I delete the app from my phone and just just to take a break. And it, it honestly is. Uh, is nice i actually just got done with one of those breaks and uh yeah like the first few days i was like they, i found my i caught myself like the entire day being like oh like i would check instagram right now <laughs> like you almost go through the motions because i would do the same thing with like facebook because you don't understand how long you'll get stuck in like the scrolling pattern until you you know you look two hours later so when i deleted facebook i would see myself like almost subconsciously going to like click on it or find it and I'm like good god that right there was when I was like that's ridiculous like come on now oh yeah I know uh I get I never even downloaded TikTok but I get lost in those reels oh my god you can't like and that's where Instagram gets you they started doing things like that so and that's the thing you can't fall into the trap of it because I I try to tell myself when I'm like scrolling I'm like all these people are doing this because they're getting paid for it. I'm not like, I'm just withering away watching them get paid to do stuff. Like this. So, <laughs> yeah. You know, you kind of gotta, I mean, it's fun. You know, you have a long day, you do need to decompress, you know, doing it for a little bit's okay. But that's the big key of what we're talking to today. Moderation. Everything is good in moderation. So really to focus on your perspective of this, when did you start realizing in your life that you were growing dependent on certain things? Um, I honestly, in high school, like senior year, um, 
I kind of noticed, like, I had some tendencies, like, addictive tendencies. Um, but that's before, like, substance abuse was, like, my, you know, I was, at the time, it was just, like, you know, I would get really fixated on things, like we said, like, social media, um, like, even, like, golfing, which is, like, not a bad habit, but yeah, mean, I've been here for six hours, and it's just, like, yeah, that's crazy. Um, but that's definitely... When I noticed like hints of it, uh, I'd okay. definitely say my freshman year of college was when I was like, oh, yeah, I have an issue. And yeah. I, it snuck yeah. up on me really quick. Yeah. So what do you think triggered it, to be honest with you? You know, like, was it people you were hanging around, like your mental health kind of mixed with that situations in your life? Like, what, what do you or I mean, can you even pinpoint where you think it really stemmed from? Honestly, it was. uh you know, that's something I don't, I don't think, I don't think I, many people can never identify that exactly. But for me, it was like a little hint of everything. Um, you know, I, uh, I had, you know, good, decent friends, uh, when I was at Mizzou and, um, but they didn't struggle with the same thing I did. So certain behaviors were probably more okay for them. Whereas me, I'm like, you know, it, it just wasn't okay very quick. And and that's, uh, yeah, I would say friends, obviously. Uh, and I struggle with some anxiety stuff. Yeah. But it was almost like, like I call it like chasing my tail because after I realized I had a dependency on, um, so I, like, I feel like this is important to say, my, my drug of choice or whatever you want to say um, turned out to be benzos. So like, Okay. Xanax and stuff like that. Um, and and so when I, the first time I ever took it, I was like, wow, I'm not anxious anymore. And this is awesome. And then it was like, that's where that cycle started because I was like, you know, going down this rabbit hole without really realizing it. And mm -hmm. so the only thing I felt like that helped me at all was benzos and and you know uh drinking a bunch and stuff like that and then before you know it i was just like what's going on like yeah you know. so you think you tried to do it to really suppress a mental like anxiety a mental illness that you were dealing with like doing that numbed out all the basically bullshit in your head all the time then oh yeah it's like it was essentially like turning my brain off for you know a few hours here then and there out of curiosity, just because, you know, obviously that turns it off, what's it like when it all wears off? Like, does it just kind of come flooding back full force or, I mean, does it make it worse, you think, when you're not like that or coming off of it? Yeah, I mean, most, yeah, because I think you, you get used to not feeling those feelings and, you know, not dealing with any de depressive thoughts and not dealing with any anxiety and then having to deal with that in a in a you know in a mind that's fully aware of everything so mm -hmm. you know when you're sober yeah it comes back in full force and maybe not so much as your thoughts about things get worse but it's just because you you know you find this way to turn it off for x amount of time and then it's like oh this is what i'm dealing with again and yeah so i would definitely say it makes it worse um after the fact Okay. So 
when did you you said like freshman year of college was when you realized it was a problem what made you realize that like what did you just have like i don't know an epiphany or was there something that happened so um july 4th weekend so after my freshman year um so i would get really rowdy at the time i mean i was like a really cocky you know 18 year old <laughs> kid yeah so like that school year i was i would just get you know in a college freshman no one knows how to drink and stuff like that so i was just getting you know throttled and, and everyone just was like oh this is normal i was just a little outside of the box i'd say a little crazy and then so july 4th weekend uh a buddy of mine and i went to the lake and uh we actually met a couple guys that we went to high school with down there at my parents place i mean it wasn't like we were out partying or anything and I remember making a joke to my buddy on the way down there, like, I, I was just like, I think I'll, you know, I, I might withdraw this weekend, but I, I hadn't dealt with anything like that. Like it was, it was seriously just a total joke. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I should say with your friends. Right, right. Like I hadn't, like, I had no idea I was like actually addicted at that point. And uh, yeah, I mean, one of the withdrawal symptoms of benzos is, um, you know, seizures. And, uh, yeah, we were hanging out, you know, drinking and, uh, all of a sudden my buddy just said, I like looked at him and like, I didn't know where I was at. And then, yeah, kind of just fell on the floor and, and had a seizure right in front of my, uh, little sister and then all my friends too. And it was, uh, I kind of woke up in an ambulance on the way to, you know, the hospital down there. And that's when I was like, oh shoot. Yeah. You know, because I, I really was joking when I said I might withdraw. And then I was like, oh, like I have been using to that extent. And I didn't even realize that. Yeah. So, I mean, that right there can take a toll on you. I mean, that just an experience like that. But when it comes to addiction, obviously, it wouldn't be an addiction if it was that easy to be able to just, you know, clear, be fine, back to good. But how hard was it after that experience to actually move forward and realize like this is a problem you know like i deserve better than this i need better than this yeah it was uh i still had all those people that i thought were good friends mm -hmm. after the fact so you know really nothing was changing in my environment it wasn't like you know i it wasn't like people were like leaving my life at that point or anything like that. So at that time I was like, oh, that was kind of a freak thing, you know? Yeah, uh, yeah it was like, before I really took it serious was probably like another year and a half. Wow, so you almost, like you said, thought the seizure was like a freak thing, like. Well, yeah, I mean. Did it happen uh, again or, or I don't like, where was your headspace at after that happened, truly? I was just like, wow. Like what happened? I called a girl that I was dating at the time, and we had been together since this pretty much the start of college. And mm -hmm. I called her and was like, "Yeah, this happened," and she was like, "Well, yeah, because you know you've been using too much." And yeah. I was like, "That was like the first denial thought I had because I was like, nah, like I haven't been. I was just pretty much what I chalked it up to is like you are around me every day, so you." you you know see it more more often than a lot of people but i was like no probably not like i'm fine and it just kept 
yeah, I don't know. I just kept like I I had probably over like five to seven or eight seizures before I yeah, it was it was brutal. And that's like yeah, I don't it just kept happening. You know, I I would go like two or three weeks and be using pretty heavily and then be like, oh okay, like oh, I'll just stop for a while and it would happen. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I so one of the last times it happened when I was at Mizzou, I remember coming home from the hospital and like nothing was ever wrong after the fact. I think that kind of also encouraged it in my brain. Like it wasn't like I was like had brain damage or like, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of this stuff that happens to other people, like it, I would have a seizure and then I'm like, okay, like I'm fine. Like, and so I think subconsciously that kept me going. But so the last, this, this last one I had at Mizzou, which was, I don't know, probably like three, four years ago now, it was, uh, I remember coming home from the hospital, like getting home at like 5am to my apartment and immediately like going to the drawer where I kept like all my stuff when I was using and like Mm -hmm. being like upset that I was out, like my roommates had, uh, thrown all the, uh, the rest of the bins as I had away. And that's when I was like, oh damn, like I literally just had like a terribly unhealthy experience, obviously. And as soon as I got home, I'm like, okay, like I need to use again. And I think that was probably due to the fact that, you know, this was a seizure that happened in front of a lot of people. It was at a party. And that's when I was like, oh my gosh, like, so I was already anxious when I got home. Like, what are these people gonna think of me? Yeah. You know, well, so then at one point when this was going on, like, because you started taking it because of your anxiety. At what point was it like this no longer has anything to do with your anxiety? Like you just have an addiction slash dependency on this. Um, you know, I, I, uh, I was going to say, because that's the thing is. Some people just get in the mode. I mean, it's just force a habit. And from hearing your experiences, it almost sounded like it was like routine to be able to take these like throughout the day. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And and uh, that was kind of when I was like, I realized like, oh, this is like. I knew I think I knew deep down it was an issue. Mm-hmm. And I think even to an extent at that point when I was like, OK, no, I just have an addiction. I was like, well probably not because like i said a lot of people were doing the exact same stuff but those people were going to class the next day and it made you feel good so that's almost probably why you did was you know you're doing it you feel good you don't really like you said with the seizures you didn't really see any like long-term effects or consequences so i mean you could have just convinced yourself truly i mean you were fine like you said you know i mean you're not anxious you're not right Right, exactly. Like, I was like, this isn't, you know, I, I didn't see it as a big problem. Yeah. Because I just, like I said, it, people were doing it around me, but, you know, those people were going to class. Those people weren't having seizures. Those people weren't acting like a complete idiot, you know. Um, yeah. Because we would, well, I say we, I mean, a lot of people I know uh, up there that I went to school with, we would take them and go drink, which is like, terribly dangerous um but yeah it would it would just add to it and it 
it's just turned into a nightmare so fast. Yeah. Now, the seizure you had in front of your family and friends, that's one thing. But when, I mean, did this start affecting your relationships? I mean, you had a girlfriend at the time. You have your family. You have friends. I mean, did they start seeing this in you? And, I mean, it probably, if they realized it, it wasn't completely smooth sailing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So that's the thing, uh, I think, with addiction is I thought it was all fine. <laughs> I was like, no one knows about anything. You know, I'm just a college kid mm-hmm. drinking too much, um, as most college kids are. Yeah. And I really didn't think it was a problem. And then, uh, like I said, that that uh, that chick I was with left me. And that was the first part where I was like, oh, you know, that kind of sucks. Yeah. But that wasn't enough for me to, like, want to stop. So I, you know, continued to, I guess at that point, I continued to bring people into my life that made it feel like what I was doing wasn't out of the normal, Mm -hmm. wasn't different. But, you know, the longer I got into a relationship after that, and it was pretty unhealthy for me. Yeah. Um, And it just, like I said, it spiraled. I, I replaced those people that were kind of drifting out of my life at that point. So like my sophomore year of college with people who not encouraged, but you know, would, would turn the other way to that behavior, you know, not. Yeah. We're not trying to help you get on the right track. Like they could care less. They're probably more worried about themselves. I mean, at that, you know, you're in college, you find that a lot. Oh yeah. Yeah. And that, that's another thing, like with the people that were leaving my life, um, you know, I think, a lot of them weren't really good friends, you know, people I should have had. Yeah. However, I mean, I can't really put it on them because I would, I mean, I probably would have, like, if if I was friends with someone and this was happening now, I would have done the same thing. Yeah. Which, which sucked. And that, that played a big role in things, I think, you know. Yeah. It was kind of like my whole life was getting ripped away from me and I just did not understand it even though the answer was right in front of my face yeah so you know with that too I mean it started affecting your family and people that go through certain types of addiction I mean it can almost cloud your judgment as well I mean did it have you with a clouded judgment doing things that were uncharacteristic of things you would normally do um like I Cause that's the thing. I mean, honestly, you hear people that are drunks or people with drug addictions. They could be lying, stealing, cheating. Oh, yeah, I mean, yeah. Was that something that you ever dealt with, or did it get to that point? Um, I definitely. I mean, I never was like stealing. Or yeah. yeah. Like I wasn't. Uh, you know. Yeah. Carjacking. Oh, yeah. no, exactly, exactly. <laughs> uh, but I mean, it definitely made a lapse and a lot of judgment for me. Uh, I definitely hurt people that I shouldn't have hurt that were really good to me in my life. Uh, I think, you know, lying was definitely a thing and anyone that's dealt with, uh, you know, a dependency issue or an addiction issue knows that you have to lie to kind of play into what you're trying to do. You know I mean, mean? lying to yourself if you have an addiction oh. and you can't realize that that's the first lie you're telling is. Oh, 100%. And you're constantly finding ways to feel okay about what's going on. Because yeah. when people have addictions, most of the time they know far before other people are, you know, pinpointing it. 
like for me, my parents were always like, oh, you're just drinking way too much. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that's probably what's going on. But it's like, no, I was also taking, you know, benzos and drink. Like, that's why I was getting so uh, belligerent. And on, I, I heard a lot of people, you know, a lot of a lot of people are just kind of coming back around and realizing like oh he's not a total asshole anymore <laughs> which is yeah which I'm is actually don't get me wrong it's awesome like uh i have relationships now that i think in a way they're going to be stronger at the end of the day because i i it was a, it was such a trying time and and i just think it it'll help um you know I, it's a it's a story of caution for a lot of people in my life that were like you know I know there was people in my family who when I was uh you know going through all that were slowing down on social drinking and everything and you know a lot of those people realized like hey I get it like it's not as easy as everyone tries to make it look yeah and so yeah I mean I'm at the point now where most of those relationships that I hurt um if they were legit and genuine uh, people, they're back in my life, um, which is like an amazing feeling. But yeah, I mean, this was four or five years ago when all this was kind of taking place and it's just now happening. So yeah, like changing your behaviors and, you know, getting those people that really are good people back into your life was probably the hardest part. I mean, yeah. And I mean, that's believable. And that that's the thing, too. I mean, the mental wear of, one, you coming to terms with what's going on, but then repairing the damage caused from it. I mean, did you have low points in your mental health where you were just... Oh, yeah. Because that's what I'm saying. Like, that addiction's one thing, but bouncing back from it is a whole different story. Because not only... Are you having a hard time with yourself also with everything else going on in your life? You know, I mean, it's a lot to juggle. I mean, I honestly can't imagine the low points that you could go through with it. Oh, they were um, like whatever you like, if you're whatever you can imagine was like a low point, it was probably even worse than that. I mean, so like COVID hit and that was so how it all kind of started too was that i was selling drugs when i got to mizzou you know i thought i was super cool and yeah it was that type of situation i just had kinda, i wanted to be that guy even though we're at the age now where that guy's kind of a loser <laughs> but at the time i was like this is awesome that's what i wanted to do so uh -huh. um, having access cash access you know um drugs around stuff like that was kind of a segue into what happened in a lot of ways mm. but so COVID hit 2020 and that's when i wasn't really selling anything anymore and uh, you know i had gained a lot of weight which was really hard for me because yeah. um not only was i you know losing friends but I wasn't really talking to any girls or anything. Like there was just no high points. Yeah, like, you like, started this like, trying to be Mr. Big Pimpin, and it, like, it, yeah, that, exactly. then at that point you ain't got nothing. Right, right, and yeah, at the end of the day, I was like, wow, this is shit. And 
like I said, yeah, gained a bunch of weight. And that's when I noticed like it was starting to mess with me financially because mm-hmm. I, did, I didn't have much money coming in. And, uh, you know, I was definitely putting it all out, you know, money wise. Mm-hmm. And that's when I was like, okay, yeah, like this is becoming a, a big issue and I got to got to take charge of it. And so that's when I made the decision to go, you know, get some help. And, um, I went to, so I was in, uh, Florida, like Hollywood area, which is like North Miami. And, um, you know, met some really, really incredible people down there that are just doing amazing things to this day. Uh, and that's when I, you know, my lowest points were when I got back from that. Yeah. Because the only thing worse than being uh, an addict and having no one is not being an addict and having no one. Like I got back and was left with all these pieces of the puzzle that you don't really learn about at treatment because, you know, everyone at treatment is, you get on what they call a pink cloud. It's where you're like, okay, I got this. My life's going to be great because I'm sober. It's like, well, that's good for you. Obviously that's the first part of it, but I got home. It was like the dead of winter still. And I had like literally nobody like, and it was just like, oh gosh, like this is going to be far more uphill than I thought. Yeah. And, uh, you know, honestly, I think it's that fact of like feeling like I had no one that left, like led me to my first, um, relapse. Like, I was so bored, <laughs> no ambition. Like that yeah. was another thing. Like I just wasn't pressing the gas pedal the last two years of my active addiction. So like mm-hmm. my sophomore year of college for about a year and a half or so. I was like, yeah, like I'm going nowhere. Like, and that was even harder because like I said, I had fell down this hole that I dug for myself. And then I had no idea how to get out of it. <laughs> the only thing I knew how to do at that point was not do drugs consistently. <laughs> and that was it. Like that was my life for, you know, three or four months. Well, and you just saying that, I mean, it makes it seem, I mean, one can understand how it's easy to relapse. Cause like you said, you're on this pink cloud and then you get into reality and you're like, the pink cloud's gone. Like you have to actually act on it now and i that's difficult and like you said i mean if you've ever experienced a winter in missouri i mean i personally get seasonal depression because of how fucking cold it gets i kid you not like december until it gets like april so i can't imagine being back home realizing okay this is what i have to do so how long did it take how many times did you relapse before you finally kind of got to really stomped it out um i honestly couldn't tell you like it was a lot um there was points before i went to treatment where i could stay sober for a little bit Mm -hmm. and you know i was trying to do it on my own you know trying not to admit to myself that i have a problem like i don't care how comfortable someone is coming to terms with the fact that they're an addict or, you know, they have a very strong dependency on stuff. But for me, I just did not want to be that person. And I think it it has a lot to do with the people I grew up around, you know, kind of like in the area we lived, like, I did not want to be that person. Like I had seen people that 
got labeled as that. And but t- tell the crowd about this. So me and Jackson grew up in a. I mean, okay, when you compare it to other towns in Missouri, there are smaller. But we grew up in a town that was pretty small. I mean, where I moved from in Atlanta, I mean, it's you joke about there's nothing else to do than to do drugs. I mean, tell the people, like, what is the stereotype of what happens when you go nowhere in Sedalia? Like, what is just the typical... Oh. <laughs> yeah. Well... <laughs> You know, you go to the state fair, you can run into a lot of people <laughs> that, that that will be, a, a you know, a prime example. But it's just like no ambition really is like the common thing that I saw with a lot of people is just like no one really trying to go anywhere. It's like kind of just everyone's kind of sliding by, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and that's that's not indicative of all the people in Sedalia. Don't get me wrong at all. Oh. Oh, not at all. And that's, and that's not what we're saying. We're just saying that in a small town where, I mean, it, it, there, the opportunity like that's in Kansas City is not even close to the same. So when you're in a small town, you almost have to work harder to get out of it and to make something of yourself because those resources aren't just there for you. So with that uphill of it's a little bit harder, it's easy to fall back. And I mm-hmm. think as someone who grows up in a town like that, you see people fall back that you never expect to fall back and you're like, shit, like I gotta be on my A game. Like if your fault, like, you know, I mean, it almost makes you self-reflect when one, you see other people doing it. And I mean, it almost seems easy to be able to fall back on it. Oh no. And that was, that was another thing. Like, like being so lonely and stuff. When I first got back, I started to develop friendships with people that aren't bad people, but you know, they weren't, going where I'm trying to go type of thing. Like, they're not bad people, you know. Mm-hmm. A lot of them struggled with, uh, you know, the same types of issues I had, but mm-hmm. they they lived a lifestyle and, and maybe, you know, some of their upbringing pretty much made it like, this is okay for me to live like this. When, yeah. you know, I just grew up in such a different environment than what my life had turned into at that point that I was so lost and just, you know, like I said, like, it's it's so easy to catch that label in Sedalia of like yeah. this guy's just a you know a, a fool or a drug addict or you know whatever any label really that's negative but it's it's like I said it's like been three years now and I'm I still feel like I fight that stigma sometimes you know yeah because that was that was like so like when I go play golf um like when I got back and you know they not everyone was talking about it as much as I thought because you know i'm thinking all these people every time they see me just have something negative to say because my self-image was that low and but it's just like they're definitely talking about it like everybody everybody does know you know to an extent and that's that's another reason why when i saw you were doing this podcast and we kind of discussed about you know, me coming on and what we were going to talk about, I, I was like, well, this is uh, not only an opportunity to help others, but it's an opportunity to set the record straight on what is going on. You know, I'm not ashamed of it anymore. It was yeah. part of my life. Like, it's something I live with. Um, and to even go back further to what you said about, like, when did you finally, like, you know, kick it or whatever? Mm-hmm. And anyone who's involved in the program, whether it's AA 
NA, um, any of those really, they, they all know that it's not something, it's not like, uh, like, I don't know, like a, a disease, Mm -hmm. like, you know, you don't, you don't get to be in, you can be in remission, but you're never going to be cured of, you know, addiction. Like, yeah. Like I have to tell myself all the time, like, there's still days where I'm like, you know, that would be fun to not have to be anxious about anything, like not have to face your issues. And then I remember, you know, all those negative things like, oh yeah, like I was hardly speaking with my parents at that time. Like that was no fun. Like my sister, uh, that's another relationship. Her and I just finally have gotten really good again. And, you know, to where like she practically lost her big brother. Like, yeah. and that was like one of the hardest things to deal with. So like, yeah, I mean, it's something I, I, you know, I'm, I'm going to have to deal with, but it's also something that I don't know. I think in a way it's advantageous, which is, uh, I think that's about the only way you have to look at it or else you're just going <laughs> to feel pretty shitty about yourself. Exactly. Yeah. But I think it's important too, is like you said, you just have to want better for yourself. You know, you have to reflect like, it's shitty not having those relationships with your family that, I mean, I knew you in high school and middle school, you were always close with your sister and your family, you know? So I can't imagine not having that and then having to rebuild that. So I bet that definitely can just kind of motivate you to want better for your life, your future, you know, push you to work harder, drive for better. Oh yeah. And and that, that, you know, that can come in so many different forms for so many different people. Mm-hmm. For me, it was um, finding purpose. Like, I, I essentially became a yes man. <laughs> like, that, you've seen that, like, Jim Carrey movie? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like, that's essentially what I was doing when I was trying to get better. Is like, I'm going to do whatever I, like, anything positive. Like, even if I don't want to do it, I'm going to do it. Like, because it it keeps you busy, it gives you purpose, and usually at the end of the day, if you do a whole bunch of shit you don't want to do, you feel good about it. You're like, <laughs> I got through it, I buckled <laughs> down, and yeah, so I mean, for me, that came, like I said, I had gained a bunch of weight, so I went into treatment um, at like, literally like 230 pounds. Like, I got huge, and I- You know, Jack- yeah wow i didn't yeah yeah no well, there's some... you look good now like you've done good like we're on skype i can see what he looks like but i was gonna say saying he was at 230 to what he is now i mean good for you yeah, dude. yeah i'm at uh 43 pounds like down yeah which is like but like that whole grind Um, Like I was saying, that whole grind of losing weight and eating right and doing that stuff, that was what really got the ball rolling for me of like, Mm -hmm. there's like, it's, uh, there's beauty in the struggle. Like it is, it is, there's something to be said about like doing the right things and and growing that I never realized back then. Um, You know, there's something just beautiful about working towards your goals and, and doing the right things and so like I said, yeah, like it started with me, like physical exercise. Like when I got out of treatment, just from not drinking, uh, I, I was already down like 20 pounds. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> yeah, like that's how like alcohol 
especially towards the end there when I was like really starting to cut people off that that shouldn't have been in my life. Alcohol was like the only thing, you know, I had like consistently that I could always, you know, get because at that point I was over 21. And that's when, yeah, gosh, I I just I like talking about it sometimes, but I sometimes I also think like, oh, like I do not want to go back. (laughs) But I mean, that's that's part of growth, though. And I always say, I mean, nobody likes dealing with the shitty days, shitty times. But if you learn something from it and you take something away from it, it sucks to dwell on and think about. But at least you benefited in some way from it happening, you know? Oh, yeah. Like, I don't think uh, like I I've obviously I've always just been a big golfer. So it wasn't like I was like used to working out like used like <laughs> senior of high school. I was like a toothpick. Like I was really skinny at the time. And I was just like, yeah, why would I work out? Like, that sounds awful to me. <laughs> like, why are you skinny? Like, come on. Yeah, ex- that was exactly, I'm like, I don't care. And it's, uh, yeah, I just, I had a, I had an autoimmune deficiency my sophomore year of high school. And okay. I don't know if you remember, but I got like really big then too for that time. Oh, yeah, I do remember that happening. Yeah. And, and that was due, that was due to, um, so I had to take um, prednisone, mm-hmm. like a, a steroid for like nine months. And uh, yeah, then then they were like, okay, you're probably better now. Like it's probably gone. And, but I had gained like at that time, probably like 40 pounds, like just in no fault of my own, but it was just, yeah. that's what happens. And uh, yeah, at the, I think that honestly is something that drove some of the, um, stuff that I dealt with later was like that was my first experience of being like the fat kid (laughs) or like the outcast yeah exactly I was like this sucks you know yeah it gives you perspective I mean hell you know when they when they uh so when I got off that medication I was I was losing weight really quickly because uh you know not taking that medicine all the time and uh Anyway, it started to come back this um, deficiency I had, mm-hmm. and uh, she was like, "All right, you know, my doctor in Kansas City was like, all right, we need to see you. You need to start taking the prednisone again.'" And I was like, "No, <laughs> like I'm not gonna do it." I told her that I was like, "Uh, uh-uh. like we're figuring something else out because I will not go back." What is Plan B? Because that is not gonna work. I, yeah. I feel. Yeah. And like the alternative, I had uh, so I had to get like a month and a half worth of infusions, like once a week. Yeah. And uh, they were literally like I reacted poorly when they um, gave me this medicine at a high rate. So I'm talking like 10 hour days. Like we'd show up at eight and I'd get an infusion until eight at night, you know, six to eight at night and then and then go home. And that's how bad I was like, mm-mm, like not going to regress back to that weight. Yeah, seriously. So like you said, part of, you know, getting yourself on track was eating healthy, you know, exercising. So I have kind of done some research and I want you to give me just like an accuracy. I'm going to basically say something that I research that is supposed to basically help, not treat, but just kind of stay on the right path. I want you to tell me if you agree with it being helpful. Right. one of the things is identifying triggers. Mm-hmm. 
do you how important do you think that is oh that's almost the biggest part uh especially when you're trying to stop using um for how me, can do this what's that how can someone do this like with your own experience um identifying those triggers and having a plan uh when you're dealing with them is essential so like when for instance that first time i got um home and then i relapsed again it was because i knew how to identify the triggers but i didn't have a plan of action to deal with them like yeah it was like oh yeah i know that's you know say it was really bad anxiety or whatever i would know like okay this is happening right now but i would just pretty much have to soak in it because i didn't have a plan to like attack it and like be like okay i need to you know call my dad or i need to get around somebody as soon as possible because you know for me being lonely was a big thing in my life at that point and that was like one of the biggest triggers i identified but yeah i mean as a whole like triggers are it's so important to identify them and then even more important to be able to have an action to you know i i was uh, very active in aa and stuff for a while when i was trying to stay um 100 sober so like i drink alcohol now but i'm at a point in my life where i have purpose again and so it's you know i <laughs> i used to literally get you know shit faced and then be like the next morning we'll roll around and it's like all right like that's what i'm going to do again today because i got nothing i got nobody you know and so now that I have purpose and stuff, it's like, you know, a few years ago, I would have never, ever been able to say no to going out and drinking. And now I'm like, I'm cool most of the time. <laughs> like, yeah. So like, yeah, like stuff like that, um, you know, triggers can be really in depth and you don't even realize it. Um, I know going around people, uh, especially when I was, you know, I. I thought, like I said, I thought everybody knew so much. So if I was going to go on a date with a girl or going to meet up with some old friends, that's when I'd be like, all right, I need to use because I'm going to be so anxious about all this weight I've gained, all these stories that they probably heard. And most of them, you know, not being accurate. Like that was the most dangerous part for me was realizing like, okay, even though I'm doing better, like, I wanted to like not be anxious about what had happened. So it was like, that's like, like I said, where that pattern of that cycle came in of like mental health occurring because of drug use and drug use occurring due to mental health. Like it was literally a circle. And uh, yeah, that was, that was huge for me because, you know, I, I didn't yet know how to deal with that stuff consciously, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that was which and that honestly kind of coincides with the next one too because it, it talks about like changing your environment and i mean that sounds like what you did was i mean obviously the par the bars the parties things like that i mean you had to remove yourself from that environment because you knew that wasn't keen on you following you know the plan you had for yourself right yeah the uh changing environment was really important to me too like um there was a time like 
this girl I was with was still in Colombia, uh, you know, not not using as bad as I was, but definitely to an extent, and also you know going out a bunch and stuff like that. And there was a time where I was going to see her like multiple times a week because it was like I was having trouble letting go. Like that, like this is gonna sound nuts, but when you're getting off of a substance or the lifestyle that it created you you really do grieve like you grieve because it's literally like a part of you is dying because it is <laughs> you're trying to kill that part of you and and you know so many people think that's just so ridiculous to grieve about it but it's like yeah like i i was so uncomfortable trying to live a different life mm-hmm. that i was like trying so hard to hold on to what i had and so that was like the environment I do not put myself in. Like, I don't think I've been to Columbia in a while. And yeah. honestly, like, uh, I, I've had friends be like, let's go to, you know, stay with so-and-so in Columbia and we'll go to bars. And even though they're not bad friends, like they're, they're people that I'm okay to be around. I'm like, that just sounds terrible. Like so much bad shit happened to me in downtown Columbia to where I have no desire to go out. Like, like yeah, we my my parents have season or my my uncle and my dad have season football tickets and at this point I'm like even that is like a stretch for me to like put myself in that environment. Yeah. So next on the list exercise, we kind of went over that. Oh, yeah. The next one's accepting your past, which mm-hmm. also kind of in the talk that we've had. I mean, it sounds like you've done that, you know, to be able to move forward realizing what was wrong and what you need to do to be able to not let that become an obstacle again oh yeah like like accepting you know what had gone on was uh, like one of the parts that took me the longest to get over because i just like i said i for such a long time i was trying to just fight being that person and then i realized like well there's some people who are sober and and you know, went through addiction stuff that are absolutely exceptional. Like some of these people have done crazy awesome things with their lives. And it's like, you know, don't be ashamed. It's like I was like only thought that being an ex-addict or an addict just involved, you know, having to deal with like the past. But it's like, no, it it really is a group of people that want to help you deal with your future too. But you know, coming to terms and being okay. Well, okay is a stretch, but like being comfortable with the fact that you made certain mistakes and that you gotta, you know, you gotta get up the next day and put one foot in front of the other and and buckle down and, and do what's right. And you know, like I said, there is beauty in that too, in that struggle. Like there's something about getting it back together that's like, wow, that just feels incredible. And that's the thing, like you said, it takes accepting the past to realize, you know, I want better for myself. I deserve better for myself, you know, and that you can, you're capable of it. So like for me, it was like accepting my past to live my future. Yep. You know, like I had to be okay with what had happened because it happened. Uh, It it wasn't going to change now. You know, it was like, what can you do to, you know, kind of solidify your new spot in the world and that for me that was just purpose i like that i like how you said that to be honest though like your new spot in the world because people and i want everyone to realize that 
you can always start over. You know, like, you can screw your life up, but if you want and you are compelled to want better for yourself and change, you can. It's not impossible. Granted, you can't do it not accepting the wrong you've done or the wrong that's happened or the things you've gone through. Acceptance is a giant part in that. But some people are like, oh, I can't start over. Oh, I can't do it. You know, like, you you can. You just have to want to do it for yourself. Oh, yeah. Like, like, um gosh like yeah like wanting it for yourself is a whole whole different thing too like for such a long time I just thought that you know I would be looked at so differently and whatever and it's like no there's like I don't know I have a just a really profound respect for people that can do what it takes to make that change it's I mean it's the hardest thing I've ever done like hands down and you can't and I say this because, like I said, we come from a small town. People talk. I mean, it's not that big of a town. So talk goes around pretty quickly. But you can't let what other people think say. You can't let the opinions of others influence what you think of yourself or what you think you can do. Because that's, I mean, just with anybody. But when you're in that kind of position, it probably dwells on you more. And it doesn't benefit you. You're, they're not the ones waking up in your bed every day, going through the motions. I mean, hell, you can prove everything wrong, but if you accept what they say about you, you're not going to get yourself anywhere. Right. Like That's what holds a lot of people back. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, like it doesn't matter how good you're doing in the world. Someone's going to have some negative shit to say. <laughs> you yeah. just get it. Yeah, like you, like I know people that have done crazy good things, whether it's in business, um, you know, sports, whatever it might be. And I still hear negative things about them. People say, and it's just like, yeah, we're, we're from an area where that's, that's fine. But also at the same time, you know, my dad uh, started kind of telling me this when I was really getting back into golf and stuff when I was, you know, just got back. I was always telling him, like, I'm just so nervous to even be around that, you know, the country club or any of those types of people. And he was like, one day he was just like, I get it, but you're not that damn special. Like, they 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 have negative things to say, but you're not going to be the focal point of their whole day. So, you know, get over it and pretty much. And honestly, that's I needed to hear it because yeah. he didn't want to be an asshole to me and say that that wasn't valid because it is. But like I said, I mean, you're not that special at the end of the day. They're going to move on and it'll be on to the next person. Like You got to keep going. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Well, I do want to kind of as we're wrapping this up, say um, on the website, I have just added basically a list of resources. Um, I mean, when it comes from suicide, addiction, domestic abuse, you name it. So, you know, this, you know, covering, like I said, finding AD, eh, oh my gosh, I can't think of the word for it now. What? Hey. Yes. <laughs> Resources. You know, if you're struggling, if you don't know where to start, if you don't want to talk to anybody, there are so many resources now, especially with technology, with the internet. Researching things, you can find almost anything. And I've tried to make it as easy as I can by putting it on one page. Um, so, yeah, please check that out. If, I mean, 
if you want to look at it, if you ever need it, want to utilize it. Uh, but yeah, I also want to thank Jackson. I really appreciate you coming on here, being super open, honest, vulnerable. As we're wrapping up, do you have any, you know, advice, closing thoughts, you know? Yeah. Um, so firstly, like, thank you for having me. I, I'm, I'm really, uh, I'm really grateful for the opportunity to, uh, like I said, not only help others, um, you know, if this helps one person realize that, you know, they're not alone, I, I think we both did our job with this. Um, but yeah, I, uh, you know, don't, don't feel ashamed is kind of my closing thought. Like there's always people out there to listen, like anyone listening to this, I don't, I don't care about anything. If we have differences or whatever, like my phone is always, uh, you know, available for you to call and just talk and, and feel understood for a while because, um, you know, I was a person that went from having it all to having nothing to, you know, trying to get it all back again. Like it's okay to not, to not <laughs> feel like you always have it together because I think a lot of us don't <laughs> regardless. Oh my God. <laughs> you're not, you're not human. I, I don't care who they are. Yeah. Nobody in this world has it all together. They can, they're lying if they say right. that. Right. But um, yeah, like, like Alex said, use your resources. Don't be afraid to reach out. Um, you know, if you, if you, especially like the, like if you're a man, I feel like um, for me, I felt like I couldn't talk about stuff for a long time because I was, you know, we're supposed to be tough or whatever. And hey. it's, it's bullshit. <laughs> Everyone struggles. Everyone needs a shoulder to cry on. So like, do not be afraid to talk about it and if someone else is tired of it go to the next person that you need to you know that stuff just festers inside you if you don't get it out so you know don't be ashamed and just use your resources and and know that there's a better tomorrow there was a lot of days where i felt like my life was over pretty much and right now life keeps just getting better you know the more the more right things you do the the better it is so just keep it up don't give up it's a, it's a long process but it's worth it awesome well thank you jackson i really appreciate it uh yeah definitely could do another part on this i mean when it comes to addiction i think you could do like 80 parts because it's so in depth but yeah thank you i appreciate it uh and everybody we'll see you back here in a few more weeks <laughs>